I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Ramadan Mubarak from me and Hadar. Hello, ladies. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Oversharers Podcast. Guys, this energy is after Afur, can I just say? It's after Afur. <laughs> we filmed a whole episode before Afur and Hangry. it was dead. It we was were all, we, well, actually, I wasn't fasting. Kultum was fasting. And, and she I was, was very, angry. That girl was hangry, boy. <laughs> she was like, I got a headache. I was like, the vibe is off. The vibe is off. You got to eat, girl. Kultum was dismodeled. That's how I was so felt. angry. Honestly, I really want to insert a clip of like how the, depressed how was. depressed I was. I was so she sad. was like, I'm just unhappy right now. Hold on, I've got a headache. <laughs> I'm malnourished. My skin's really bad. I've got no water intake. I'm just unhappy. Okay, this Ramadan is not doing it. Well, so, lie. Something okay. came over me. It's the, it's hangry. It's hangry. Anyway, first week of Ramadan. How are we feeling? So basically. The first yeah. two days were, a brick. alhamdulillah, 6.20 mala afriya, you know what it I mean? It was bliss. Amazing. It was like the summer. Remember in 20, when, I don't know when it was, but like, it was like, it was, no, this was school days when it was 4.30. I don't even remember that, to be honest. I remember yeah. there was a summer when I was in high school and the break was 4.30. Yeah. Was it was 430. like straight off school. Yeah. And it that was, was like amazing. November. Anyway, so the first two days, amazing. Hala's got a oh, I've got trauma. Story I'll tell for you what for happened to first me. day of Ramadan. Imagine this: I prepared all my sahur. I had a lovely wrap, some dates, a nice little smoothie prepared. I did not wake up. Okay, that's <laughs> the first L that I took. I woke up at around eight o'clock. I was already late for the school run because this boy is eating his breakfast at like seven thirty. I'm like rushing. Yeah, I get downstairs. To, I'm doing something in the kitchen and then I hear a click on my neck. What's and the I'm click? Like, what is this click? What is going on? And then I try to turn my head and I can't. It's like the biggest, the most pain I've ever experienced in my life. I would say childbirth was nothing compared to this. What? I'm not even lying, guys. I felt like my, it was like from the top of the back of my head here, yeah, all the way to here, it was like this sharp shooting pain. I just couldn't breathe. Maybe it was the sciatica. I don't know. Anyway, I couldn't turn my neck. I couldn't do anything. This point, no suhoor. I'm like to myself, it's the first day of Ramadan. I can't fumble. No. I can't fumble the first day. I've got to carry on. So I'm sitting on the stairs. I look crazy. This kid's late for school. (laughs) I'm asking his dad to take him. It's just, there's too much happening. Anyway, it gets to around 9.30. I'm calling, like, damn near crying on the phone, can I just say. Yeah. Calling to, um, I think it was, like, chiropractors, if they were open, if they had any slots. Three of them in Ealing said no to me. Then this amazing one in Chiswick called the Massage Centre, shout out to Vega, she was amazing, gave me a slot. Here's me in my raggedy clothes, yeah. The bar teeth was multicoloured. I had sandals on, yeah. I didn't put on trainers on. That's how quickly I jumped out of the house, Did you have yeah. Socks no. <laughs> 
I look like a tramp. Wallahi. I just, and it was like my mum's sandals. You know those bulk ones? Like no way. The, the little sketches. Yeah. Oh my God. It was shocking. I get in the cab. I'm like crooked necked. It was just shocking. And anyway, I had a nice massage and I became better. But the point is, my first day was rough, man. <coughs> But yeah, after that, it was okay. The 6.20, I was like, mm, this is doable. It's not bad. I'm not going to mm. lie. The only thing that you're contending with is like... Now the time has changed. It's a bit like... Mm. But I'm, I, I don't feel hungry and I don't feel thirsty, which is really yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, But the thing is, it's just the time doesn't go quick. <laughs> the time just doesn't go quickly. And I find myself like running out of steam. Really? Yeah. And then sometimes I'm like, I feel so tired. Like today I was like at my desk. I felt so knackered. All I wanted to do was just curl up on the sofa Aww. and just have a nap. But I can't because... You're slack. I'm working. Yeah. <laughs> You're slack. I'm a slack. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, I mean, inshallah for more positive days. We've got two Ramadan evenings together, Colton. I might invite you to my house so you can have a little... Please invite me, guys. Can you invite me to your homes, Ramadan? My house is just... Very quiet at the moment. Very quiet at the moment. There's not a lot of um, people around. There's not a lot of action. Um, So uh, I'm I'm taking Ramadan booking. (laughs) Saturday, you can come to Rawih with me and my mum. I haven't haven't gone to Rawih with my mum in years. I went to Tarawih the other day. Oh, did you? I went on Sunday. With with the spouse. Oh, cute. But it was weird because, like, you know, when we used to go to Tarawih, yeah. obviously... I'll go white we, we go to Dar es Salaam. There's Somalis everywhere. Yeah, Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah. just the vibe, right? Yeah. I went to that, that mosque in that place. Yeah. That, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it was just, just a different vibe. Really? I went to Salam the other night. It was it was proper nice. Did you actually? I did, but I went by myself. Do you know where we should go? I think we should go Quba. You know, know they do like a sister's like session every Friday of every... Do they? Last Friday know. of every month. Well, let's go. And each session is like a different topic. So one could be like financial well-being. The recent one was obviously like preparing for Ramadan. Oh, but nice. they do all sorts of topics and that's it. It's a little bit far away from us. No, but it's not too bad. But it's cute. Like, and it's, that's the most local. Well, where else are we going to find Blue exactly. Sisters Circle? All right. Well, let's make a date of it. Yeah. So anyway, I'm going to Rawih with my mum on Saturday. You should come through. It's going to be a funny one. So, um, <laughs> so yeah. It's going to be very interesting because I haven't gone to with my mum in a long time. Do you know your mum is the funniest person during Ramadan, yeah? I remember one time, I don't know if I've told this story before, but basically, so me, Hada and Hada's mum have all broken our fasts. So we're like, now it's Maghrib time. So we're like, right, let's go and pray. So Hada's mum's like, oh, okay, I'm going to lead you guys in prayer. We're like, great. So she... So basically, we're all standing and Hada's, Ed is leading us in prayer and then... Your father was like, you better not read Surah Al-Baqarah. <laughs> so she, at this point, I think she's forgotten what Hadis just said to her. All of a sudden, what comes bellowing out of her mouth is, Alif Lam. <laughs> and we all just started laughing. You had one job. Don't read Alif Lam. It was so funny. It was such, us two. She started laughing as well. Anyway, my mum is just hilarious when you go to our with her. She's like, Sit properly, Naya. Feet to feet, shoulder to shoulder. shoulder, shoulder. I'm like, okay. And then we've got two friends gatherings coming up. Yeah, we've got two friends gatherings coming up. One is like a final supper. Oh, no. <gasps> oh my God, Faisal. 
I'm going to cry for that one. Oh, so we're going to miss you. Oh, my God. Oh, stop. You're going you're gonna to start You're going to set me off. And oh, no, I'm already on my period. Allow it. Please. Oh, my God. Anyway. And then the other one is Fatima. Mm, exactly mm. so it's gonna be good and I feel like that is like what's exciting about the other like when you're with your friends and you guys all break up fast together yeah the best part for me is like I definitely love going to people's organized iftars I'm not gonna lie like I really sh- drag my feet when it comes to organizing iftars mm. <laughs> but I'm gonna really try and do one this year I'm gonna try my best yeah no, I'm gonna try and bagsy like a last Friday or something Oh, oh, you are. I might do, I might do. Babes, you'll come. Don't worry, invite me. Anyway, so this is what I was going to tell you. So, remember that show that we watched that was about fake deeps? Yeah. What was it called? Capture? Yeah. It's all coming true. So basically, there's this guy on TikTok, yeah? So there's this audio AI. So there's like video AI, photo AI, and audio AI now. I know. So audio AI. You can type the audio that you want and then us, our fake AI people will speak. Yeah, but for, it's not forget the va- but it sounds like you. Yeah, it sounds like me, looks like me. Isn't that scary? No, I love so it. So then I saw this video. The future of, of editing is looking great. Guys, we work with content creation means that you don't even have to be there anymore. We don't have to be there. But it scared me so much because there's so many pictures on Twitter at the moment of fake deeps, like fake AI images that look so real. And then people keep like adding them to storylines saying, oh my God, this happened. And people believe it. It's actually a fake. It's fake, yeah. It's so scary. No, but I really, do you know what? I, I, I like the idea of deep fake if it's like, ethical do you know what I mean it's gonna be used I know the the guy that I'm talking about on TikTok he used um AI audio of Kanye's voice yeah so he created this rap he used his own voice to sing it and then he put the AI audio of Kanye on top it sounded like a Kanye tune it sounded like 2007 Kanye like we always do with this time. I go for my... It sounded like that. <laughs> no joking. Well, I was like, this is like... I don't know how people... You can literally commit perjury with that. Yes, it's really... Okay, look. That was so scary. When if, I saw if that If it's morning, used outside of the remit of, of yes. ethics and, you know... It will, though, 100%. No, but it, come on. Like, there has to be... There has to be controls for these This is no control, love. But I think for us, me and you, personally, <laughs> I think it's great. Do you know why I think it's a great tool? Because I can literally buy content using fake technology. All I have to do is just type prose. Of what me and you are both going to oh say. And then it just, you have to create the little avatars of me and you. And then what you're seeing here isn't really or us. Is, is it us or is it a deep fake? Tell us. <laughs> anyway, that stuff really scared me. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, anyway, right. So, today we're going to change <laughs> up the tune, guys. I've got another story for you. This one you'll love. So, the title is, An ex-Marine was about to bomb an Indiana mosque. But then something unexpected happened. Richard Mack McKenney ended his 25-year career in the U.S. Marine Corps as an angry, confused man. While serving several tours in the Middle East, he viewed all Muslims as mortal enemies. He still felt the same way after returning to his wife and daughter in, I would say the word is Muncie? Let's have a look. Muncie? Muncie? 
Indiana. <laughs> Americans, help us out, please. His hatred was so toxic that his wife made sure to steer him clear of women in hijabs shopping in aisles of the local Target store. Living in Muncie now, I was being forced to see people that I considered an enemy every time I went out the door. This is my country, my city. It got to the point where I wanted to do harm, McKinney says. Mm. Right? He did, in fact, plan to construct an improvised explosive device. He considered setting it off in front of the Islamic Centre on a Friday afternoon in 2009, just as worshippers were gathering outside. He said, I was hoping for 200 dead or injured, at least. In the end, McKinney... It is Islamophobic. In the end, McKinney did not commit the mass murder, thanks to a plot twist that demonstrated the power of kindness and change that people can emit. Someone give that to him. Kindness can be so transformative. Just talking to someone and reserving judgment and finding common ground can make a huge difference. Mm. Right. Right. So when he went to the Islamic Center, he met with a Afghan refugee called Dr. Saber Baharami and his wife Bibi and an African-American native called Williams, Jomo Williams, warmly welcomed him into the masjid. A woman wearing a burqa had picked up her son at his daughter's school and McKinney was sure that the boy was a terrorist in training and that it was time to put his plot into action. Looking for proof to justify the terrorist attack he was about to commit, he forced himself to enter the mosque. Instead, he was treated as a valued guest, although the centre's members sensed that there was something odd about him. Moved and much relieved, McKinney began to feel comfortable among the Muslim Americans. So he's gone into the mosque? Yeah. So McKinney visited the mosques repeatedly and found community there and within eight weeks had ditched his lethal intentions and decided to convert to Islam. He went on to serve as the president of the Islamic Centre for two years. While McKinney found a spiritual home in Islam, his conversion and the revelation that he considered blowing up the mosque led to the disillusion of his marriage bless him anyway this all comes out in a in a there's this show so this story comes from a show called the secret lives of muslims yeah so this man is basically he just converted all he had to do like his plan was actually to go into that mosque and blow it up but he went into the mosque and came but, out and he had person. and i listened to a podcast that he was on actually um and he came into the mosque with a backpack full of explosives but he didn't detonate it he he was surprised by the fact that people were even speaking to him and then he just kept coming back and then eight weeks later he became muslim and then they all became friends the people that he was about to do those horrible things so wait the first person he saw was the lady with the burqa so he saw bb Um, and that guy, her husband, Dr. Something, Sharaf. Mm. So they they sensed that, like... Something was off about him. And the way he looks as well, <laughs> I'm not going to lie, he did look like... Out of place. Very out of place. Like, he looked very angry. Mm. So they were, like, surprised, but they still, like, came up to him in a very nice way. Embrace. And embraced him. Brought him closer. But the point is, he... His misconceptions of Muslims were, like... They were just out there. They were crazy. He thought he would probably thought that he was going to see loads of extremists and stuff. You know what they show you yeah. in the media? Yeah. But then his his perception wasn't actually reality. Yeah. Anyway, how nice is that? Love that. That really moved me. 
Did yeah. it move you to tears? Not to tears, but it definitely did move me. But it also showed me how scary America is, man. Have you not noticed that the majority of like documentaries of wild things that happen in the world tends to originate in America? Mm, I know so, they exist everywhere, yeah. but like the really prolific stories that compel screenwriters to create sh- yeah, yeah, documentaries yeah, yeah, yeah. about no, I get them. You. Crazy stuff happens in America, you know. That's scary. And it's not and it's not in the big cities. Can I tell you something about rural America? I was reading this the other day. There's there's um towns that you're not allowed in, as in like black people are not allowed in after dark. What? And they still exist till this day. Well, it, it's because called, it's unsafe for them to Yeah, go because people will kill you. They're called um Oh, I need to find it on TikTok. Oh, it's gonna bother me. <laughs> They've got a specific name. Yeah. Anyway, it's, I can't find the name. But yeah, there's towns that you can't go in. It's actually really scary. But moving on from that in America, bloody, you know who um, is really embracing reinventing herself is Black China. Black China. Did T- you see it? Took all the fillers out. I know. Reduced the boots. I know. She looks amazing. She looks so nice she at looks the moment. Amazing. She looks like old Hollywood glamour. Literally. Did you see her in the little black bar? With the, the black dress? With the little yeah. white, with, the, with the waves. <laughs> she looks incredible. She looks so cute. But did you know she had this like devil tattoo? It was like a devil called like um it begins with B H, but it's very scary. Is it Beelzebub? No, Ozbla. What's that? <laughs> How'd you know that? You know, I heard the song by that band Queen. Anyway, she's got a really, she had a really scary devil tattoo who actually, and and the tattoo actually represented a form of demon. And in my head, I'm like, why would you have that on your body? It's Holly like, Weird, Holly Weird. Oh my God, I was like, I really Well, Holly Weird. It is Holly Weird. Anyway. They probably branded her. <laughs> yeah. we did that at the same time you and know I sh- I've got loads of crazy conspiracy theories about Hollywood listen since I put you on to Jaguar you have gone into a new world I tell you Jaguar is causing me to lose sleep because all her interviews in are like two oh uh, yeah all her interviews are like one hour two hour long like they're so long and the thing is, like, you feel like you have to keep watching because you think she's going to just drop some <laughs> So I'm like, I'm like fast forwarding, fast forwarding, because like the title will say like all the different yeah, people yeah, that yeah, she yeah, talks yeah, about. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, what does she say about this one? <laughs> but anyway, Jaguar Wright hates P. Diddy. She hates Mary J. Blige. She hates Jay Z. Oh she thinks Will Smith and his wife just are just super creepy, do creepy stuff in their house. And Guriahan, you know when they open it up for the parties? Very scary. Very scary. It's not a regular party. You know, sometimes I think to myself, like, on, if, inshallah, may Allah take us to Jannah, yeah? I mean. But I think of this thought, or I think, if we ever get into Jannah, I would want to just, like, have a front view cinema where i just watch people's lives and what actually happened inside people like what happened to jfk mm. who actually killed two people i've been looking into that as well jfk oh my god you've gone so jf the jfk video is actually so scary have you really? watched the video no. of oh my god it's the most horrible thing i've ever seen okay Okay, wait. So Trigger he's warning. He's in the car. His wife's beside him. I feel so sorry for his wife, Horta. So the car is moving, moving, moving. The, the the assassin takes one shot. So it like hits him somewhere, but he's still kind of moving. moving. 
Did and then that's when, head. wait, then there was a second shot that went poof. And you see like bits of his skull just fly, like bits of his head just fly out. And obviously his wife, like, like she like, you can see her trying to get out of the car, but she's trying to get out of the car to retrieve the part of him that's blown off. It's just so horrible. It's the most horrible video ever. Like you literally see something oh, fly. Like, like brain matter. Yeah. Oh my God. Honestly, when I saw that video, I did some deep Who dive. did it? Who did it again? One guy called Oswald something. They took anyway, him out. You remind me of a time, yeah, <laughs> when... <laughs> have you ever, did you ever watch The Arrivals? I did. <laughs> I was on the phone to Harbour. Do you not remember? I was in Bristol at the time. <laughs> and you were like, Come to, you need to, to watch, watch this. this. It's always me. <laughs> and you go... So, so The Arrivals was like this, like, tw- 25-part series, basically, about mm. how, like... The world is just <laughs> managed the, by all the same people. All the yeah, same all the same people, and then they use all this imagery, these symbols and stuff to try and misguide people. But the one area that cannot be transcended is Mecca. <laughs> Can I just say though, there was an episode where like the Queen's face, Charles' face would like merge with someone's face, and then like they would all look alike, and I'm like. This is so creepy. But we were so young. And we were so we young. I believed it We believed so much. everything. But it was, I don't think that's, I don't no, think No, I think it's real. been discredited yeah. since. I think it was just a really good. But it was a very good It series. was a really good story. That was on Netflix. That but I'm not even lying. Arrivals, there's elements of it that are real. I agree. I believe the arrivals, the message. I agree. Mm. There's a lot of change happening in the world at the moment. I mean, I was recently searching up, do you, do you know about bricks? So BRICS is a new currency that Russia, India, Brazil and South Africa are creating mm. to go against the dollar. Mm. And now America's basically getting very edgy about it mm. because the dollar's going down. And the BRICS are coming up. And the BRIC, the, I don't know if BRICS has started yet, <laughs> but Kenya wants to join the BRICS apparently. And then Kenya's president today made an announcement to say, I'm warning you to stop using the dollar and start using your Kenyan shillings. <sighs> So that means something's coming. Something's coming. With the money. JFK. And the banks, remember that really, the Silicon Bank in, in, in California went down. I think Deutsche Bank, there's something happening. So I'm just saying, yeah, there's something happening right now with the dollar, guys, and we need to be aware. And you know why this BRICS thing's amazing? Because Gaddafi, the president of Libya, before he was killed, he was trying to create something similar. Yeah. And they fobbed him off. They fobbed him off. And now, because Russia is holding the fort, oh, it's BRICS, so it's Russia... So it's Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. The new powerhouses. So, guys, we have a scenario sent in by one of our lovely listeners. Hey, guys, Ramadan Mubarak. I'm kind of messaging you to get some advice around technical sides of the mental health treatment sectors. I'm an 18-year-old from England, and I've recently reached out to my local services for some extra support that I've really needed for a couple of years, but didn't reach out due to the confidentiality worries on my part. Now that I've gotten older and I've actually reached out, I'm quite unsure of how to communicate my struggles and issues without feeling like I'm exaggerating or without feeling like I'm seeking attention slash misfortune. Oh, this is sad. I can say safely away from public eye that I do have serious issues that I seriously need help sorting out before it further derails my life. Due to my deep research into trying to understand my own self as well as for over five years now, I have a lot of knowledge that I shouldn't exactly have. 
And I'm afraid of just appearing like I've sort of built these ideas for myself. I suppose my main concern is how to communicate my issues without sugarcoating it out of fear of judgment or not being believed. Oh my God. And she's so young, bless her. 18 years old. Okay. Do you know what I saw recently on TikTok? It's this little boy, he's 13 years old. And on his TikTok, he details how he's... So he keeps tweeting, but every tweet is just leading closer to when he's going to unalive himself. So he's saying, I'm feeling lonely. 13 years old, oh, the oh little baby, saying, I feel lonely, I feel... Um, sad and stuff like that <clears throat> and then the next tweet is like this is the date that I'm going to do the thing and then the next tweet is something else leading up to that date so we'll say like it's six o'clock in the morning that Did often, he do and, it? yeah and then the next tweet was his suicide note but his suicide note was just the most purest thing that I've ever read in my life like he was just 13 years old rather he doesn't understand you can tell like he's not old enough to fully understand the emotions that he's feeling so how he's talking about things is mainly in relation to things like social media and wanting to see like his favorite you like sad that he's not going to see his favorite youtuber flourish and stuff like that it was just like the most innocent suicide note that I've ever read in my life I think the moral was that he just wasn't feeling happy and didn't have anyone to talk to and I think he was also being bullied at school and I don't know, brilliant. yeah, and I don't know, like, I don't know where his parents were, why he hasn't been able to speak to anyone, but imagine. You know what it is? I feel like for this generation of kids, I think it's just extra hard for them as well. Um, and it's just a lot of isolation and not being able to speak to people. But what she, what she's saying is that she finds it difficult actually explaining how she feels is that mm. what she said doesn't she doesn't know how to, to um, communicate my struggles and issues without feeling like i'm exaggerating yeah so that's the thing you're not exaggerating this is how you're feeling and you need to tell that to whoever to whichever professional that you're seeing because they need to have the full story before they can support you and i know it seems like and you know what some people might not take you seriously because they think oh you're 18 whatever like go you're a young person like you've got a whole life ahead of you and they might judge you in that sense, but you need to keep persistent and you need to keep speaking to someone. And I really hope that you find someone that works for you. Like, I don't know which avenue in mental health, like if you've gone NHS route or if you've gone like through a therapy route or if you've gone through IAPT, which is again, an NHS route, which you can take, that's like good for like um, CBT, which is like cognitive behavioral therapy that you can like talk through mm. things. I think that would be a really good way. Um, and I think it's really important to never ever hide how you're feeling about like I know the fear of you know them feeling like you're at risk and they'll put you into hospital etc but like don't shy away from that because they really need to it's like if you're sick physically and like your stomach's hurting and you're not going to not say that your stomach's hurting do you know what I mean how else are they going to you need to be examined exactly I think if it's a diff- if you're having an issue being able to say how you're feeling out loud, maybe yeah, perhaps write it down because sometimes I find that that's helps. that's easy and it helps, doesn't it? Yeah. And you're able to write things, and then you can just give it to your clinician. Yeah, I would try and have like a journal of how you're feeling, 
and do it throughout a week. So like Monday to Friday, you write, you you kind of measure the um, the journey of like your feelings, your emotions, what you're going through, how you deal with things. Yeah. And then if you write those things down, and then you can kind of see see it from a different perspective, an overview of the week, what you've gone through. Yeah. And then if you give something like that to your practitioner, then they've got something to work with. But you have to be honest about how you're feeling, because otherwise it's going to be very hard to like figure out what's going on and how best to help you. Mm. Um. Honestly, I think that's the scariest bit though, isn't it? Like actually explaining, because it's like, it's easy when it's to do with your physical health, isn't it? Because you're in actual physical pain. Whereas when it comes to your mental health, it's a bit hard like putting thoughts to words. But I just feel like with mental health, and I'm 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 gonna be honest, yeah. I've never had any sort of mental health problems until the last two years of my life. I won't be like let's be vulnerable guys I'll be honest I haven't had anything like intense but I've got I've I know that I've had a lot of anxiety and I've had a lot of low mood but when I first experienced anxiety and I'm a mental health practitioner like I do this for a living I did not think it was anxiety like I literally just brushed it off Mm. didn't didn't think about it Mm. and it just kept ruminating and then it affects areas in your life that you don't think it affects if that Mm. makes sense your confidence the way you maneuver things the way you even have conversations with people so it's like men if you're not direct and clear and recognize when something's wrong with you or like your hormones are off balance or whatever then it's going to be very hard for you to like navigate that and then it's going to get worse and worse and worse and then before you know it you are not the person you used to be another thing as t- another reason why people need to advocate for themselves is the NHS is taking no one seriously at the moment. Let's be real. They're struggling. They're underfunded. They're underfunded. They're not, do you know what I mean? You have to advocate for yourself because even seeing a doctor, even having a face-to-face it's very hard. consultation with a GP is the most difficult. Like, I was on the phone to my GP today. I said, oh, can I get a telephone? Have you got a new GP now? Yeah, my old one, me and him, we didn't see eyes well. <laughs> but listen to this. <clears throat> I started, like, basically, I started getting that tummy pain thing again. Yeah. So I called my GP today, and I was like, and it was the, um, receptionist. the receptionist that picked up, and she was like, oh, you know, he hasn't got any appointments available until the 14th of next month. And I said, is this a telephone appointment? Because you, usually yeah, yeah, you think yeah, telephone yeah, yeah. appointments are easier to come by. She was like, no telephone appointments until the 14th. And then I was like, okay, well, do you have any face-to-face appointments available? She's like, mm, no, no face-to-face appointments available. I'm telling you that the process of even seeing a GP face-to-face is the most difficult thing ever. And it's probably going to deter you from being wanting to yeah. like get some form treatment, of care yeah. and treatment. So I just think people need to, if you're feeling some type of way... Like, you can't shy away from needing to see someone. Like you When have, you get that person, you've got to... You've got to hold on to them. Yeah, literally. Like, if you've got someone on the phone that's able to help you, like, oh, my God. Because, look at me, I'm waiting until the 14th for a telephone. Exactly. And I just want to add, before we go, I just want to add, you're 18. 18 is a very turbulent time. You're, like, you're in your... You're in the... The, the end of your teenage years, there's a lot of going on. There's a lot of identity issues... And, like, I'm not going to lie, as a young woman, like, that, you're going through a lot. So yeah. just be gentle on yourself and really give yourself a break and breathe through it. And I genuinely think if you find yourself, and I'm hoping that you've got 
parents that are supportive or parents that can help you fund a therapist. Mm. But I genuinely believe if you can get a good counsellor or a good therapist, then like that will really give you an opening hand. And when I say good, I mean someone that actually understands you um, and can explain how you're feeling and helps you move through it. That's what you need. So if you can get your parents to help you, that would be amazing. Um, And if not, please let us know how it goes. And we need to know you're okay, love. We need to bring the sisters together. We need to bring the sisters, honestly. Honestly, I just think people need to network. They need to meet. People need to conversate and just, you know, embrace each other and have real honest conversation. Yep. Because we all go through the same things. Yep. We're all going through mental health, anxieties, PCOS. The reason why I think it's so important to have these little hubs is because everyone's literally living the same life. Whatever you're going through, somebody else is going through the same thing. Literally. Or similar. Literally. So... Yeah. Anyway, guys, we love you so much. Thank you guys so much for all the support. Inshallah, we all get through Ramadan together in peace and prosperity. I mean, peace and prosperity has become your new... Peace. Have I said that before? Peace and prosperity in the last three videos. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, so that that is our episode today. It's a bit all over the place, guys. I'm trying my best to make this as coherent as possible, inshallah. Um, And we'll see you guys next week. Come on, like, share, and subscribe. Ah. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 